0: payback time is a podcast about building businesses wealth and financial freedom we try to uncover the challenges our guests faced the mistakes they made and the steps they took to achieve their goals the overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to your own success sean tepper is your host are you ready it's payback time As investors, we need to look past the numbers and look at the business. Those that know me know that I love the SaaS business model because it's highly scalable. In this episode, my next guest talks about his background, why he created a SaaS business, the pros and cons of SaaS, and what to look for when investing in a SaaS. And for those entrepreneurs out there, he also provides some actionable growth hacking techniques on how to quickly grow your business. Please welcome, Yaron Hoffman. Yaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sean. Good to have you here. So we're going to be talking about a SaaS business, specifically your SaaS, but first things first, let's learn about your background. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, Jeroen Hoffman, uh, based in Utrecht in the Netherlands, 35 years old. I went to college where I did commercial economics. It was kind of related to sports, sports marketing. I learned that my English wasn't that good when I was in year three. So I decided to go all in and, and did my internship in Australia did it for six months and my next internship was in, in America. So I kind of got that international background already from there. When I came back to the Netherlands, I joined uh, a really traditional company, started in sales, doing cold calls, like uh, 60 to 80 calls per day. Uh, you know the drill. And then uh, basically just targeting revenue at the end of the month. When I kind of got what I wanted uh, there at one point when I became an account manager, I thought, is this it? So uh, I, I was... Pounding to get there for a year, year and a half. When I got there, I was like, well, this is no fun anymore. That's when I got into the in the startup world. I went to a startup in Amsterdam, which was really bootstrapped, uh, low on cash. So I think after six months already, it was really hard to pay everybody and to, to maintain a business. So I kind of became a freelancer where I did a lot of sales jobs for startups. And when I was doing that, I was just applying, I guess, to other freelance jobs and then Suddenly, I had three interviews via Zoom. And before I knew it, I was in Finland. So uh, I joined a company called Leadfeeder, worked there for around four and a half years. Same trajectory, started in sales uh, and left the company as head of CS. And CS stands for customer success. So basically making sure that the customers are successful and get value out of the product, that a team of 25 people there. And during that time, I started my own startup, uh, which is called Reditus. And I think we're going to talk about that a bit about more later. But I did the yes. technical launch during when I was still
0: working at uh, at, at theater. Smart. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Reditus. And what we're going to do is because a lot of the audience, especially Ticker, they don't know already. They know I, I really love SaaS businesses. I'm a tech guy. That's where I spend most of my career is in tech. So I really like the scalability of SaaS. We're going to talk about how you're building a SaaS, the pros and cons, and what the audience can look for when they're looking at SaaS businesses. We're going to help connect the dots a little bit. So first things first, you building your business, why did you build Reditus? What what need or what problem did you see in the market?
1: Yeah, yeah. I... Um I mean, I love SaaS, and then we're going to talk about that later. But I guess, like, uh, I'm a SaaS affiliate. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that maybe later as well. Which basically means I refer SaaS companies, and I would earn a commission if somebody uh, gets a paid subscription via me. I'm always an affiliate of around 80 SaaS companies. So I, I built my own website. It has around 25,000 organic visitors per month. So it grew really nicely. Uh, But what I figured out is like all the programs I'm using to actually um, see how am I doing, they weren't working as they should. Like either I had to log into all the separate portals or one tool which allowed me to manage multiple programs didn't really track things as it should. So at one point I got so frustrated that I just decided to build my own tool. So I wanted to build a passive income by just becoming a freedom marketer. And now I'm bootstrapping my own company, which is a lot more work than, uh, than I imagined <laughs> when, I, when I was trying to build a passive income
0: for myself. Sure, sure. That makes total sense. So you saw a clunky process with other platforms and I I can attest to this because I've used other affiliate programs um, to the audience out there. Ticker uses Redditus, so we, we work with Euron and his platform. For those of you who do uh, use our affiliate program, that is actually Euron. That's his tech stack. And it allows us i love how easy it is to sign up from the user standpoint and then from the admin side we can track everybody who's an affiliate see what kind of um clicks they're getting see what kind of revenue they're generating and then make sure we we pay them on time your platform solves those problems so i can agree i've seen i've seen some clunky models in the past yeah (laughs) thank you now you did mention that you're probably putting in a little more time than you anticipated, and that's okay because the SaaS business, I kind of refer to it as it's this giant boulder. You're trying to get the momentum of this thing moving in those first few roles. It just takes so much effort, but then you get this momentum, and that's for SaaS. It's like that flywheel effect, I think, was mentioned in the book, uh, Good to Great. Jim Collins, and um, you get that momentum. So you're still in this phase where you're really pushing this thing. You got customers joining, but let's dive in. How are you growing this company?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm doing it bootstrap, which basically means is I did not get any external funding. So I'm basically putting my own own money in and like it's kind of the same as investing, right? As in, if you do it with your own money, you don't have a big bucket. So it takes a really long time to actually start building profit. And that's what I'm basically doing with my own business. As in, I'm not taking external funding, so I can't make these big jumps quickly, but I'm doing it slow and steady. And like if people uh, like investing, then it it is gonna compound over time. And that's basically what we're also also doing at ReadyTest. Gotcha. And how big is your team? We're now with three full-time and a kind of three plus, which are on and off when we need them, basically.
0: The three yeah. full-time people, including yourself, what are the roles? Yeah. So, I
1: mean, I do mostly the sales and marketing. Then we have a growth hacker who basically tries whatever he can to, to grow the platform. So it could be recruiting affiliates, could be uh, generating exhaust clients, could be basically anything. And then we have a developer who develops a product. And uh, right. then for me, I'm kind of the product manager and the, and the sales guy, marketing guy. So doing whatever needed on the on the business side.
0: Really a few hats. Okay. And how are you getting in front of other SaaS businesses? Because that's really like like Ticker, a great customer. You're a SaaS, but you also work really well with SaaS businesses. How are you bringing them into your ecosystem?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like the long-term uh, ways of, of growing. So for example, for a business that is, that's this SEO, right? Where if you do a query, you find an article, you find a tool, and then that would be on top. So that's basically our long-term goal is to, to go that route. So we're publishing content, I think, like one blog per day. Uh, we're also doing things on the distribution side, so it's not just publishing content, but it's also making sure that content does something, uh, so it actually gets shared, etc. And like uh, we are going to try a different route where we are going to do cold outreach, so basically cold emails. Uh, And then you're going to talk about volumes. Like we're going to, like with the affiliate recruitment, for example, which we're doing, we're sending out two emails, uh, 2000 emails per day. Uh, So we send out probably 10,000 at the end of the week, next week again, and we're going to do the same with SaaS really soon, where we're also going to try to recruit them via cold outreach. But that's, not my long-term plan. My long-term plan is what you call product-led growth. So the product kind of has to grow itself. So if so, if somebody's listening, they have a SaaS and they sign up, everything should happen without talking to me. So they should be able to set everything up, go to a paid package. They know, should know exactly what the next step is and how to get value out of our product. Like that's our most ideal goal. But as a wizard yeah. founder, you can't
0: have that right away. You need to find struggles first before you can build a product like that. Right, right. Yeah, that very much falls in line with um, like Ticker, which is considered a B2C SaaS. We call it a low touch SaaS where we're not actually selling the customer. The site should do the selling for us. And that way we can really focus on marketing. And I really like networking and and getting out there talking to people. So nobody has to be on the phone like, hey, you should join Ticker. You know, it sounds like your model is very similar. You want people to, you know, find you. We're going to talk about LinkedIn. There's some hot tips here our audience can extract from this episode because you're a specialist with LinkedIn marketing. But really, you want people coming to your tool, checking it out, reading a little bit of information, trying it on their own, and then committing with a credit card. Because you've got a a trial period. Is that correct? Is it like 14 days, 30 days?
1: No, we actually have a freemium model, which means we have a free version of our app.
0: Uh, which, okay, I mean, conversion-wise,
1: it's a lot better for SaaS where people can just log in or sign up and don't have to left- leave their credit card details. So that's the model we're mm-hmm. we're taking.
0: Got it. And then you do have a like a premium plan as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so as soon as somebody really gets value and value for us basically means they're generating money So uh, for example, our pricing plan starts at $39 per month. And if somebody starts in the free plan, they start generating money and they get $1,000 in revenue per month, then they have to upgrade to a paid package, which is $39 per month. So there's there's going to be no issue for them to actually start doing that because they already generated so much more money before that.
0: Very much in line with what I've seen across the board with SaaS businesses. Usually, if you can fall below fifty dollars uh, U.S. dollars, that is. I know you're you're in euros, which I know the currencies are pretty close today. Yeah. But but um, that's that low touch category. As soon as you go I, from my experience, I see SaaS going north of fifty dollars. Even closer to the 100, that's where it's a little higher touch to get people into the platform, but um, you know where you need a sales uh, sales team. But but no, that, that's really good to know about your pricing structure. The low friction, that's something for the audience to pay attention to. As you like, like businesses that are really low friction to get into from the consumer, that means you can move volume, large volume of people into a platform with very little salespeople or effort from the team, including your team. I'd like to circle back to you the comment on blog posting, which relates to LinkedIn. You've got over 10,000 followers on your LinkedIn and you're posting like every day. And it's really, and I'll let you speak more about this, but I I found a lot of hot tips and like marketing that you're putting out. You know, it's not like every post is, hey, come try our tool. You know, they just get a little annoying, but you got some really good ideas there. So can you share some tips with the audience on Maybe growing their LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be with every social media. I think consistency is key, right? Like if you're going to post 10 times over the next three weeks, for example, and then you're going to say, well, this didn't work out. So Mm -hmm. like I've been doing this for quite a long time and I committed with myself to try to post every day uh, beginning of this year, which really uh, increased things as well. I mean, uh, back in the day, I did use some automation to do the things for me, where would it invite contacts, for example, automatically to grow my network. So there are some automation tools you can use, but personally, I do not use them anymore. But in the end, it's consistency and sharing value. Because indeed, you do not want to hear me uh, keep talking (laughs) about this because you you will get sick of it no matter how much you like our product. So you want to indeed, you want to get tips, you want to get ideas, you want to be inspired. And like most of my posts don't get more than 10, 15 or sometimes 30 likes, but they're really valuable for people. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like I, I went niche as in my content is now really focused towards SaaS and B2B SaaS which is my industry. So when I'm on the soccer field, my friends always say, I always keep seeing your face on LinkedIn. Like, Can you just stop posting? I said, well, stop following me then because you're not <laughs> my target group. Like that's, You kind of have to make a decision, right? Which route you want to take, yes. who's
0: your target audience, and then basically create your content towards them. Right. To dive a little further into the ideal customer of Euron and, and Redditus is a SaaS business like Ticker, you know, our customers that like promoting ticker and sharing it with their friends and family, they really like the fact that it's reoccurring revenue for them, not just us. But like when they bring in and we'll just say it's John Doe, John Doe is paying his credit card every month. Not only are we getting paid, but that affiliate they're getting paid every month. And that's why you're on talking about here. You you really like the SaaS Target because it's not only valuable for the SaaS business but their customers as well. So it's another layer deep, makes it a really scalable model.
1: Yeah, it's. uh, I mean, in my opinion, it's a really win-win-win model where you feel it wins when they give you paid clients. You determine with them how long should they get commission and which percentage should they get. So that's an agreement you made with them, and the more money. Um, they make for you the more happy you're going to be, the more happy they are going to be, and in the end, mm-hmm. the more happy we are going to be. because the more money you make, uh, the more you're going to pay us. But there's always, of course, that that factor in there that you're going to earn fifty times more than you're actually paying us. So, yeah, I really like this belief that we created
0: a win-win-win situation mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, still talking about the the content, you know, some of our listeners can or maybe thinking like, oh wow, like a blog post today. How are you, um, first of all, generating the content? Like, is it creative mindset? And then do you have like a bank, like a like saved like a word doc or several word docs with all these different posts saved and you keep like editing them over time? How? What's your process?
1: Yeah. I mean, my process is outsourcing. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a magic keyword here. Like I can't do everything myself as in where uh, just put, for me putting the blogs live already takes me quite a bit of time. Like can you imagine me writing them? Like I wouldn't be able to do that because that would just hurt the sales side. Um, so I outsource a lot. And like with platforms like Fiverr or Upwork, you can just outsource everything. So... For the other side I have, I do the exact same thing, a blog per week. And I even outsource the keyword research. So what should be the blog about? What should be the headline? What should be the middle points? And then I have somebody do that who's really good in that. And I basically give his document to the writers. And then the writers would basically write the articles the guy researched before that. So I'm kind of just putting orders out. Okay, I want to produce 90 blogs in the next 90 days. Can you give me a list of the good uh, blog posts we could write, and then I will pass them along to writers who are going to write it for me. So mm-hmm. that's my process: outsourcing as much as I can, but I always keep quality control when I put it live. So I always make sure that I'm not going to just put things live, which right. doesn't make any sense.
0: Which you're you're the quality control yeah. barrier, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and
1: like, and for I mean, for both of them, like for my site and for Reddit, like I, I know of course the business and I know what they're writing about, so it's really easy mm-hmm. for me to check. So if you ever start in the field of marketing or you ever start a business, if you outsource things, you have to be the, kind of the expert, right? Where you can just check if it actually makes sense if you're going to outsource a lot of the
0: things. Got it. No, that's really good to know. Um, outsourcing is a great takeaway here to you know take time off your plates. Um, you're doing a lot of great like organic marketing. Um, are you doing any kind of paid advertising? At the moment, we do not. And that's, I guess,
1: like the, the challenge with being bootstrapped. It's really easy to spend a lot of money uh, doing ads. And we, like so far, I decided not to do them yet. But I might mm-hmm. be doing them once I think I'm ready for product-led growth. Because at the moment, it just takes too much manual time for me still to really help people going. Uh, but if we figure sure. that part out then uh, ads could really be a revenue driver it's yeah. just i don't think we're ready for that yet it might be just earning too much money uh, and creating a lot of work for me where i kind of
0: want to have it automated first got it so are you saying you're at a position where you're still kind of you have to handhold some customers
1: yeah yeah because we we require some technical insulation uh and often the people who sign up are either the founders or the business people okay. um, and they're not actually the developer. So they do need to require a tracking script on the website and one line of code in their code base, which can be challenging for if you're not a technical founder or if you're not technical. So gotcha. this is why we're creating like a help center articles and anything we can create a logical flow, etc., just to make sure that they know exactly mm-hmm. what is the next step when I join Veritas. So mm-hmm.
0: they shouldn't have to think about that. They kind of really should see it basically on the structure and everything we do. Gotcha. Yep. That's another hot takeaway in SaaS is a really clear cut, streamlined onboarding. And we do try to do our best with that with ticker. Like, for example, when you join, there's a quick few screens that asks what kind of, you know, where are you from? What kind of stocks are you interested in? And then you create your first watch list in in under a minute. Um, And then you get emails sent to you over the course of 20 days, like new value add, like and should you buy, I want you sell, stuff like that. Um, so stuff like that I found to be really helpful. We also have some videos on our YouTube channel. Do you? Are you creating any videos that might level up your onboarding too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we, like we mostly have them in the help center where um, I write everything out. But if somebody needs to install, install a tracking script, they could also watch a video and they basically see me doing it and they they mm-hmm. follow the exact same steps. But it's purely, I guess, like guidance on how to do something. Basically, so we do have them, yes.
0: Got it, got it. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you wish you would have bought some stocks earlier? Imagine you had $5,000 to invest. Let's say you bought Amazon stock in 2010. That $5,000 would now be worth over $95,000 today. Let's say you bought Tesla stock in 2013. That $5,000 would now be worth over $220,000 today. And let's say you bought Netflix stock back in 2012. That $5,000 would now be worth over $245,000 today. Do you feel like you find out about opportunities like this way too late? What if you could find great stocks before they become mainstream news? And what if a software found those stocks for you? With Ticker, you can find great stocks before what feels like the rest of the world finds out. No matter if you're a beginner or experienced investor, Ticker will help you find great buying opportunities and get a head start on your wealth building journey. Get started today with a free trial. Visit Ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, Ticker.com. So just to take a step back, you know, now we're looking at SaaS overall. What are some of the pros and cons of a SaaS business?
1: I mean the biggest pro is of course it's monthly recurring revenue and uh, that's the mm-hmm. the measure almost every saas company looks at or they look at annual recurring revenue so like any subscription is either of almost always going to be either monthly or annual so that's why those metrics are going to be important and like for the investment industry um, you want to have like the compounding effect right and you have it in in SaaS as well. So if you're able to maintain your clients, so uh, if we are able to keep you happy and we are able to add more clients on top of that, it's going to be like a really good growth for us. And if we're even able to upgrade you to a higher package because we generate a lot of money for you, we actually uh, get more money from you, and we're able to get more clients in, which is going to accumulate like really fast. And that's what I like about the SaaS product because you can really scale. As in, you you create Mm -hmm. a product and like we made it international from day one. So when you look at like our app is being used almost all over the world already, even though yeah, we haven't been around that long already. So mm-hmm. there's really no limitations as in where we can get our clients or affiliates footage from.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And especially with your model is you could you could have customers all over the world because SaaS could be it's especially today post COVID or, or when COVID was at its worst. You could say people are going remote all around the world. So you could really start a SaaS anywhere. Just to compare, and this is good for the audience to know: is you know, if you were to get to ten thousand customers, if uh, you had an agency or a service business, it would be a lot of liability, meaning payroll, a lot of people coming onto your business. Then I look at a business like e-commerce. You know, a lot of people like creating a Shopify site or Squarespace. You have a lot of inventory, a lot of costs against your goods sold. And, um, with a SaaS, you don't have those things. You can keep scaling. You don't have to add as many people in the business. And then you don't, you don't have to sell a physical thing. You're not selling a widget or a t-shirt or, (laughs) right? Something (laughs) on Amazon.
1: You don't have to ship anything. You don't have to worry about uh, people shipping it back, things like that. I mean, they might yep. offer a refund if they really don't like the product, but that's that's all. So, and you don't need like a big warehouse. Of mm-hmm. course, you need uh, to maintain your database, et etc. But that's a lot cheaper than actually having a physical location or shipping physical products or anything like that. And right. I guess the only thing I want to add here is what what I found really interesting. And of course, now I'm building a, a platform, but was the affiliate marketing side. Uh, of SaaS, because then you don't actually have to have anything, right? I mean, you have to have mm. a site or you have to have a network, but you can basically recommend somebody else's product. So you didn't even have to build anything mm-hmm. and you can earn a recurring um, revenue stream just by referring somebody else to somebody else's product. And right. that's that. what I found really interesting, because you can just find the top programs you like, and then you can start referring those and you
0: can earn actual money just by mm-hmm. putting your network into place. Right. No, I, I, I completely agree. I'm a, I've am a always been a big fan of the affiliate model. And I I come from a place where I've worked for a lot of large public companies. They don't really call them affiliates at that level. They call them more channel partners. And they'll partner with like, for example, a, a good company that I've worked for is Kohl's. Kohl's is known for manufacturing showers and sinks and toilets, faucets and whatnot. And their channel partners are like Costco or a Home Depot. Or um smaller in the in the Midwest, those may be familiar with like a Menards or something like that. But those are the companies you partner with them and they move the volume, you know, and they take a cut, of course, of every product sold, but that creates that scale. And at the SaaS level, um, you can go even faster. You know, you create those same level of partnerships with people who have a big audience, you share the revenue with them, and my gosh, the flywheel can spin really fast. Perfect. Yeah. Let's flip that equation to cons. What are the some of the negatives here of uh, SaaS business?
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of competition as in because it's easy to launch. Uh, mm-hmm. It is easy also to to have big competition like pretty quickly. Um, and if you do it like us, like it is going to be slow and steady. So it is taking a long time to actually hit those milestones you want to hit. Um, so I would definitely say that, and there's a lot of companies within SaaS who take capital from venture capitalists, and mm. like they will definitely take some equity. They will have an opinion. They so they always want you to grow faster. So SaaS companies can grow fast, and if you take in in money from outside, then they will push you to grow fast. Like that's uh, that's for sure, because they always want their money, uh times 10 or not even yep. even more.
0: They want their their ROI, their payback. Day. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Times a times a large multiple. You're right. And there is an advantage with bootstrapping. You can move at your own speed. You still want to move fast, but you can make those strategic moves that you know work best because you're probably closest to the customer. Unfortunately, there are horror stories. This is good for a good comment for the entrepreneurs listening. Is if you bring on the wrong VC or even angel investor that's not completely aligned with the vision. They're going to be putting the pressure on you to increase revenue, and you got to be pushing back, which creates a little contention, saying, hey, we want to do exactly what the customer wants. We shouldn't be so focused on taking it to $10 million tomorrow because it's not going to happen.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Like If you look at our example, our pricing starts really low. So I think the first thing uh, which will happen if we will take uh, outside investment in is that they say you're on your price is too low, you need to increase it. We could yeah. do it but then in the end we want to bring value over and then grow with the client which is i mean it's not untypical but it doesn't like how we structure it really based on the value what they're getting out of it um it's not always that common
0: sure sure right another quick pro on the pros and cons is the acquisition multiple if you were to sell a business yep. now that's something obviously you're a sas guy for service businesses out there, the, the multiple used to be one X revenue. It's EBITDA, but we could just phrase it as revenue to keep it simple. It's it's close, it's not exactly the same number, but it would be like one X, two X, maybe three X. And nowadays it's usually one X for a service business because nobody wants to buy a job. Like, hey, I'm buying your agency, but to make money, I have to now work in it. Whereas a SaaS business, you know, I've seen multiples 10x revenue or more. Yeah. Um, it's this residual revenue and this is what makes it also a great business model to invest in you know if you're a stock investor you're looking for a sas that there's that sustainable reoccurring revenue there that residual revenue
1: exactly like it's it's definitely in my opinion a good place to invest in. you just have to make sure that you find the right
0: ones of course were there any um or there are any like publicly traded SaaS businesses that really inspired you Oh, that's a good question because like, I'm not too much into stocks because I'm putting all my money into into my SaaS. So I, I'm
1: sure. not sure if they, uh, but they're definitely, I mean, I think Slack might be publicly traded, right? Um, yeah. For example, they're like a really good example in my opinion of product-led growth, as in anybody can sign up and you can go through the entire flow and they,
0: they really have a good marketing. Uh, I think HubSpot, for example, is publicly traded maybe as well. Um, uh, Was the name of it? HubSpot. Oh, CRM. HubSpot, HubSpot yeah. I think, is private. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean and but Slack, there are some yeah, Slack is too, but still you're in the right ballpark because they're well established SaaS businesses. Yeah, exactly.
1: And like that's I mean, if they're probably traded, then I would definitely go for, for something like that where they're well established, mm-hmm. have a good brand, and they kind of are like the top leader within their industry. Right. So of course you can go you can always go wrong nowadays, but uh it's mm-hmm. it's almost a safe bet. And if you would split it. Then uh, it's definitely like a safe bet to gamble within within SaaS.
0: Yep, a good um. Uh, since you were talking HubSpot, a competitor, somewhat competitor would be Mailchimp. Mailchimp was acquired by Intuit. Intuit is a publicly traded stock. Actually, a company I'm looking at to start buying myself. But yeah, that's a great example. Is you'll see, these publicly traded companies, they'll buy a SaaS because it complements other products they already have in their ecosystem. So that's something that could happen to a company like Redditus.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. because if somebody already does something for for clients and they think this is going to be a good addition for them, then they Mm -hmm. can just buy us and implement
0: them in, in their own system, which happens a lot. Right, right. Now, if somebody's looking to invest... In a SaaS business, is there any, like one big thing? I know you mentioned monthly recurring revenue. Um, you also mentioned competition. What is one, two, or maybe three things they should really look at when looking for a SaaS?
1: Yeah, I would. Um, like, I don't know how, how deep you can go in and look into the numbers. But for example, a really common metric is to look at LTV CAC ratio, which means lifetime value versus customer acquisition costs which allows you to quickly identify is that company profitable or not. Um, So a lot of companies, of course, have funding and they can actually uh, invest more into acquire companies than they can actually get out of that, which is Mm not a good idea. But often they say is um, you need to get at least three times um, the revenue out of a client that you invest into acquired in the first place. And then customer acquisition cost basically contains like the marketing cost, the sales cost, everything related to acquire that customer, and then lifetime value is just a prediction on how long do you think that client would remain uh, with you. Because, of course, you're not going to wait 36 months to figure out if they're still with you, but you kind (laughs) of use the data which you already have on average to figure out, okay, this is the average life cycle uh, somebody stays with us. And then if they pay this amount of money recurring revenue, we do time that. And that's the easy calculation of lifetime value. Like There's more complicated versions, but that would be Mm
0: -hmm. an easy one. So in other words, just to summarize, you want the lifetime value to be three times more than the costs going into acquiring a customer.
1: At least, yeah. Yeah. This is like the healthy, um, at least yeah. the healthy way of, of of looking at it. And I mean, there are other ways like um I used to be head of uh customer success, right? To get mm-hmm. value. So churn is is another metric you want to look at, which basically means is the clients leaving the company. So what is the churn rate? And you always It into a certain percentage. And if you're really, if the company is really good, they actually have a negative churn, which means they are able to uh, upsell their clients. How do you say
0: expansion revenue?
1: Yeah, they they expand more than than what they actually lose. So they're not Mm -hmm. filling up a leaking bucket, as you would call it. So they're basically uh, topping up already with their expansion of their clients, which is really, really
0: good if you have that. Right on. That's, and and for the audience, these type of numbers you probably won't see on the you, well, you won't see them on the income statement or the cash flow statement, but the earnings reports. If you like drilling into reading earnings reports or watching a YouTube video earnings reports, you can drill into what Euron is talking about here. That that's really good stuff there to dive into the, the math, yep. those, those individual numbers. Yep, and I mean you can I like, go. To somebody's
1: website or going to a company's website you can quickly see if they have multiple products right so
0: yeah they,
1: they sometimes have a land and expand model where they just hook up a company in by selling them one product and as soon as they have one product they try to sell all the other products they have as well so just because yeah. they um they will have landing pages for all the different products so you can quickly determine if they actually are able to get to the negative churn
0: just by looking at the products they have on their website brilliant comment there that's where i was going um which is the expansion revenue there's certain SaaS business out there they only have one pricing plan which that's fine but you like to see different pricing plans or different products going back to intuit They've got QuickBooks uh, tax management platform. But now to all those small businesses, guess what? They now own MailChimp. They can introduce MailChimp to do email marketing. And there's other tools they have in their uh, weapons, you could say in their arsenal that they can, they can use. And in this case, there's lots of opportunity for upselling, cross selling, which creates that expansion revenue, which you were talking about. So yeah, that's, that's something for the audience too, to look at. Like if you're investing in the business, look at their different products. What can they sell to their customers? Exactly, and how many products do they have? Right. Yeah, that's good. Well, before we transition to the rapid fire round, is there a question that I did not ask you but should I asked?
1: I don't. I don't think so, because this is more, of course, for for people who are investing. Like I think, mm-hmm. um, definitely look at like software products because they are going to have the future, right? But th- I think that's the only thing I I, I would want to
0: add to this. I don't think mm-hmm. there's any question left here. Cool. And we'll we'll have you promote your product a little more here at the end, but let's dive into the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who you are on really is. Yes. So begin, try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Yeah. All right. What is your favorite podcast?
1: I want to say this one, of course. I don't really listen to podcasts that <laughs> really? much, uh, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Um, what about a recent book you read and would recommend?
1: I don't even like. I, I always listen to the the audio versions of of books, sure. uh, and I just ordered the book of uh, what's the guy's name, the guy from Lemlist, and I think that's going to be really good. He's talking about all different things about SaaS, where he grew a business from thousand dollars to hundred million. So that's definitely going to be. I haven't even read it yet, but I think it's going to be my favorite book.
0: That's awesome. Real quick, what is the name of that one again?
1: Um, I'm, he uh, built Lemlist. I I can. I can give you Kuyami, he's French. so It's really hard to pronounce his name. Uh, I wouldn't even be able to spell it. So I I can send you it so we can put it in the link somewhere.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. All right, next question here. Favorite movie? I would say Godfather, I guess. Godfather, Godfather, a classic. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're talking early 70s here. Wow. Yeah. Classic. All right. And two business related questions here. First one is what is the worst business or investing advice you ever received?
1: Put all my money on one stock. I think I uh, (laughs) uh, we had a really, I mean, it was a a big gamble. It was the first time I actually invested in stocks. Like it was supposed to be the the big next thing. Um, Back in the day, I think I invested five, maybe seven and a half thousand euros into it, which was for me but at that time a lot of money was it still is mm-hmm. um and i kind of lost everything cuz the plan didn't uh, really work out as it as it should so i think those stocks even are now from the um,
0: from the stock market at all oh they're delisted yeah yeah ah uh, okay probably a weaker business was i'm curious was it a penny stock was it like less than $5 um it yeah it was
1: yeah that's what i guess We. i think okay. it was like a dollar dollar 50 or something and it it, it has came uh, above five, but then it
0: uh, went down
1: again, and we yeah. we bought it at the dip, but then we didn't know it it went went dipping further, I guess.
0: Mm, ouch. Yeah. yeah. Right, let's flip that equation. What is the best business or investing advice you ever received?
1: Patience, patience and uh consistency, I guess. Like, uh, I mean, if you really want to have success, then you have to wait for it and uh, you need to make sacrifices as well. So if you want to live the good life later, then you will need to make sacrifices today. So you can't have both, right? You can't go to dinner every night uh, right. this week and have a million dollars in your bank account wow. in, in five yeah. years.
0: I mean, maybe some people can, but... To build it right, it's not instant gratification, that's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you have to have a long breath if you want to get the, uh, the long term results. Yep. And next question, here's a time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say?
1: I would definitely uh, say to myself that I need to experiment faster with uh, building my own business. Like I I think I started my first website when I was 30. Uh, looking back at it now, mm. I should have done it way, way sooner. So there's so many potentials where you can quickly grow business or you can invest in stocks. Like with an app like Tickaway, you can quickly find out which stocks you need to invest in. Like I should have done that uh, sooner. But... I was, I guess, enjoying life a bit too much without worrying about the future. But if I just invested 100 euros per month, for example, it could accumulate it, it could compound it. So I should have done that.
0: Yeah, good advice. Well, All right. If there's any entrepreneurs out there that want to grow their business using affiliates, I highly recommend Redditus. So where can they reach you?
1: So they can find us at uh, www.getreditis.com, or they can search for my name, Joran Hoffman, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And basically, indeed, we help B2B SaaS companies to grow. But again, you can also uh, not build a SaaS company and just start referring companies like Ticker, like Reditis, or any other SaaS company who joined our platform.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joran. This is great.
1: Thank you, Sean.
0: Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you. Bye. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to, so thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest's story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right, thanks a lot. See ya.